Welcome back to episode two of What Am I Making? Hope you're doing great today. It's Maddie C. Let's get into it. Welcome back, friends. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, It's been a good week since uh, I last heard you or saw you or however this works in pod form. Uh, We've had some really nice feedback already on the first episode. Uh, My friend, comedian, and uh, podcaster Pete Dominic was a terrific guest, and uh, it's just been a it's been a treat to uh, hear what you guys think about that conversation and to kind of get the conversation actually officially rolling. Um, I know I kind of did a big, long intro about theoretical ideas and mission statements and ethos behind the the project, and I don't, I don't want to belabor that. Um, in fact, uh, the conversation that I have for you today with uh, comedian Christian Finnegan, I think, does a pretty great job of staying on, on course for almost all of it. I mean, we, we pretty much hit the meat and potatoes of much of what I'm, I'm trying to discover here, much of what I'm trying to talk to people about. Um, you know, it's funny since I've since I've started doing this in just a couple of weeks since I just put publish uh, on on Substack and I just hit go. I've I've had so many people reaching out and talking to me about how how much they appreciate the ideas that I'm discussing. Um, I've had a lot of you give me really nice compliments about my writing and some of these 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 ideas and, and thoughts that I have. And one, you know, to be to be honest, to be candid, one of the things that I struggle with is that. I think about this stuff all the time, and I know that I talk about it all the time, and it weighs down the people that I love sometimes because my brain is so heavy, I struggle to turn it off and just kind of blissfully enjoy whatever's happening and, you know, probably also struggle to just shut the hell up. But I'm working on finding, you know, peace and and calm and contentment and and just learning to kind of absorb things a little more as opposed to as opposed to pushing them and making them happen and building that inertia. And so that's a weird balance here as I kind of you know really jump you know kind of head first and dive into this whole project and I really I really kind of throw myself into all of this new work and there's so much of it happening and it's so exciting and there's so many ideas to pursue. And at the same time, I need to keep reminding myself what I mentioned in the first episode, which is that this is not a sprint. It's not a race. I need to take my time. That as I evolve as a person, this project will evolve. As the world changes, I will change. This thing will change. The more people we get on board, the more it will shift, and I'm excited about that. And so uh, I'll say it again. I'm going to say it every episode. First of all, please make sure wherever you're getting this podcast, I need you to do three things that would be enormously helpful right now, right within the app that you're using. Number one, subscribe to this feed. Please make sure that you are subscribing. It makes sure that you don't miss any episodes, and it also helps us to sort of uh, get the algorithm thinking hey, there are lots of people subscribing to this. We should be recommending this to more people. The second thing that would be an enormous help would be if you liked this episode. So just go in there. There's a way to basically give it a little heart or a thumbs up, depending on the little uh, podcast uh, delivery system that you're using. And uh, just let them know you enjoyed it. And uh, that's one more way to kind of, you know, goose the stats. And then the third thing that you can do, uh, and this is really a huge help too, Write a review. Um, something as simple as a sentence or two talking about why you like it, why you're here, what you're interested in, what you think. Um, anything that you you know genuinely think is a, a reason to listen to this or a criticism of how it could be better. It doesn't have to be praise. Just something to engage that is uh, thoughtful about the show and what I'm trying to do here. If you're interested in what I'm trying to do, and you think this is a good idea and you want to help me build a community, uh, that's going to take time. And the truth of the matter is that time means money. And so we need to get as many people involved as quickly as we can. Um, There's lots of ways to do that without actually supporting with dollars. But as I mentioned last time and as I'm going to keep talking about, 
this support is crucial. And at some point, it's going to have to be financial. So what you can do in the meantime is if you want to go ahead and subscribe and offer a financial contribution, uh, the best way to do that is to head over to the Substack page. Uh, that is whatamimaking.substack.com. You can sign up over there. There are free subscriptions, so don't think that you have to pay. And right now, all content is available for all subscribers, free or paid. But if you go over there, sign up for a free subscription. If you like what you see, if you've been enjoying my work and you want to support it financially, you can do that on the Substack page, and you can sign up either as a monthly member you can sign up as a yearly paid member where you just pay for the year in one fell swoop. Or you could be super generous and you could even uh, be a founding member, which is a uh, sort of a larger annual contribution that's a really great way to support the project. Um, again, none of this is compulsory, but it is a way for you to support the pod and the work I'm doing over at Substack. If you appreciate this... Um, any subscription is appreciated, a paid subscription especially so. Uh, so back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, Christian Finnegan is a comedian who I think is uh, incredibly intelligent and thoughtful. I became sort of aware of him when he had done some stuff on uh, The Chappelle Show, and then I became... Uh, what I would say is a significant fan of his work after I started hearing him regularly on the show hosted by our first guest from last week, Pete Dominic. Um, Christian's kind of become a regular fixture over there on Fridays, and he and Pete talk about their lives, the week in the news, stuff that's going on in culture, um, and it's really funny discussion. They are often joined by a terribly funny uh, woman named Ophira Eisenberg, who I'm also a big fan of, and you may know from uh, an NPR show she hosted for a long time uh, called Ask Me Another. Uh, anyway, uh, Christian is a terribly funny guy. He's really smart and has, I think, a really interesting and unique perspective and uh, viewpoint on the world. And um, I also know from having talked to him for a, a sort of a guest interview I did on the Stand Up With Pete Dominic show, Christian and I got together because Pete doesn't really talk about music. And, uh, you know, I reached out to Pete and I said, hey, how about if I interview Christian Finnegan about his new uh, his new Substack called New Music for Olds, uh, which, by the way, you should all be subscribing to. It is uh, newmusicforolds.substack.com. Go over there. You can sign up for free or you can give uh, Christian a few dollars a month and uh, it would be well worth your time and your money to support him. Uh, it's a great resource. He sends out a uh, newsletter every other week to free subscribers, and um, paid subscribers get an additional newsletter uh, that comes in the off weeks. And uh, it's really fun stuff. He writes really well. It's very funny. He, uh, he's he got a great rating system and kind of a, a reference point for what you're getting into, and the, the, the choices are super varied, and it's just... It's it's fascinating, and you can actually go over to the Stand Up with Pete Dominic feed, and I'll link it in the show notes, and you can listen to the episode where Christian and I are on, and we have this conversation if you want some reference or if you want to go listen to that after this is over. Uh, but Christian's been a stand-up comedian for uh, uh, something in the neighborhood of 30 years, and um, as I mentioned, he was, on the, uh, he was on the Chappelle show. He's done some stuff on Mad TV. He's done some writing. And he does this really terrific uh, Substack newsletter now, and uh, he is still doing stand-up. And um, I knew Christian was at kind of an odd point in his career and in his life. Um, his wife owns a uh, performance venue in Queens called QED, and uh, they you know, have to kind of run that together. And so we talk a lot about what it's like to work with your spouse, what it's like to make a living when both of you are working in the arts and kind of kind of building your income out of that, what happens when pandemic sort of changes the world and, and turns everything upside down. A lot of that stuff is contained uh, and referenced and, and turned into a really thoughtful and hilarious special that, that Christian has available called Show Your Work, which you should all go out and find. You can go to uh, Christian's website or find it on the typical streaming providers and rent it or buy it. It's 
it's a terrific uh, piece of work, and it's a really interesting. Even now, just a couple of years later, it's a really interesting look, kind of at pandemic life in that moment. Um, it already kind of feels like a weird version of a very recent history. Um, but Christian's terribly funny, and he filmed this outside at this venue that um, that that his wife uh, Cambria owns. And uh, it's, I just think it's great. And um, and he talks about some of this stuff, and he talks about being at sort of this weird point. And then he and I hit on this in our first conversation for Pete's Pod, and it. We just kind of jumped right into it. I, I really didn't, uh, I guess as I'm sort of learning how to do this, I uh, I realize I need to sort of build out intros before I actually do them. So <laughs> it's uh, it's funny to, to learn all this stuff, even though I've sort of done a pod before. You forget. Um, also, I said this wasn't going to be a very long intro, and here we are at 1045. So uh, anyway, uh, you get the idea. Christian uh, Finnegan is a really funny, talented, and smart person. Um I was thrilled to get a chance to talk to him, and uh, we had what I think is a really great conversation, and uh, I'm excited for you to hear it. So I'm going to shut up and let you do that. Here is uh, my chat with uh, comedian and writer Christian Finnegan. Yeah, I mean, really, this is kind of a fact-finding mission, and... I guess I felt like the other thing we did went well enough that I feel comfortable enough to reach out and, and ask for help. Yeah. Which is something I'm I'm historically really bad at and trying to improve. I did the yeah. math. It's the least I can do. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, the, the idea is I think that pretty much, to be honest with you, I have lived a life where I have been a – I've been trying to think of a term for it. I think tourist is the closest I can come. Somebody who has been actively involved and has made – enough money to generate a small part-time income or break even for a while um, in a creative endeavor. And I'm reaching a point in my life where I have a a career that looks very much like it's ending in the very near future. And I'm kind of trying to figure out why I chose to take a safer route. What might've happened if I hadn't chosen that and what my options are going forward and kind of figuring out through that whole process What's it like when creative people try to figure out how to make a living and a and a life out of this? And what does it do to them? But what does it do for them and for us? So it's a lot of really intense shit. <laughs> yeah, but, sure. But I, but I think, to be honest with you, I'm at a point in my life where I've bounced enough of this shit around and gone, boy, I wish I knew how to do that or I knew, I knew how to talk about that. And when I talked to Pete and a couple of other people that I admire and trust, their whole thing was, you don't figure out how to do it until you just do it. So um, thanks for letting me do it. Yeah, no worries, man. Yeah, just um, uh, jump on in. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess the first and simplest place is is why why build a life around comedy and being a comedian? What drove you to do that? You know, I I don't. You know, I'm sure a lot of creative type people say this, but it never really felt like a choice. You know, there's certain aptitudes I have and certain aptitudes I don't, and you know the. I, we may have spoken about this last time. Do you know uh, Gillian Welch? Of course. The, yeah. You know that that song, Everything is Free? Yeah. Uh, which is just, to me, the, the greatest song ever written about being a creative person. And the fact that it was written like before social media and Spotify and streaming yeah. is even more hilarious. But just that line, you know, like uh, someone hit the big time. They figured it out. They were going to do it anyway, even if it doesn't pay, you know, which is... Oh. <laughs> it's just like that's that's it i mean that's it i mean and that's what's so funny about sometimes uh when you know you'll somebody will ask me to do a gig and they'll ask me to quote them a rate i'm like i don't know dude like like because i don't want to bargain against myself but it's probably you know it's definitely cheaper than if i had a a uh representative negotiating on my on my behalf you know what i mean yeah i mean what i would always say is that like i i you pay me to travel i do comedy for free sure um which is you know not untrue um no no um but but i think one of the things you mentioned the, the gillian welch thing and kind of how prescient that song is at the moment and one of the things i've been thinking about is we're living at a time where I feel like there are more and more people who are looking for unique and interesting and kind of 
again, another word that I hate, but bespoke or whatever, like retail has largely in many places in America turned into kind of this curatorial world, right? Where people don't go and buy the shit that we all know exists. We, you know, if you're going out and you go to like three boutiques on a Saturday afternoon, you might go places and see stuff you didn't even know was in the world. And I feel, Mm -hmm. I feel like people value having, you know, basic shit. The reason people, everybody moves to New York is because it's the center of activity and culture. Everybody wants that slice of culture in their town, but I feel like we've been allowed to not have to invest in that to get the culture back. We can pop in and out when we want. We can get a lot of it for free or almost nothing. And it seems yeah, to be like in a way sure. we, we've lost the investment, both in terms of time and in terms of value and money of the audience across all spectrums of art. And I'm just kind of wondering, I guess that's one of the other big things I'm wondering as somebody who's done this for a long time, are you seeing that? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, when I when I look at younger people, and that to a certain degree, this is why I kind of have to, you know, I don't know if looking for an exit ramp is the right word, but but I know that I'm not really cut out for the world of an artist moving forward because they're just the the economy is just all about attention and not no longer about money. And, you know, you can say, oh, well, that's better, you know, that, that, you know, it shouldn't be so hollow and, and whatnot, but it's like, you know, no, people need to make money. You know, when I see the, the work that some of these like influencers or, or even comedians who are just, but you know, it used to be a thing where you wouldn't want to burn material. Like you wouldn't want to put stuff online right? because then you can't do it or you couldn't be on an album or whatever. And now everyone posts every single thing they do. And it's always hilarious to me when when someone releases an album or a special because it's like, well, why would anyone need to pay for this? It's already all out there, right? And you know, it's 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 almost like you're asking people to sort of do the honorable thing by giving you ten dollars for the thing that they can get for free if they really want to, right? Um, and 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 you see some of that, and you see a lot of what I think are good-hearted folks who will go, oh yeah, I, I support musicians. No, you you treat musicians or you treat filmmakers or whomever. If you have the opportunity, you will treat that with a sense of charity as opposed to a sense of a transactional relationship. And I guess I yeah, feel like I mean that's what's missing. For sure, for sure. I mean, it's uh I mean, I don't like to think I'm I'm money hungry, but it's like the pe- people with the money want us to fight over likes and retweets and things like that because then they get to keep the money <laughs> you know what i mean right. and so it's like they've been very successful in sort of commodifying attention to where that's the thing that means the most you know way more than you know and and unfortunately i haven't checked recently but i don't believe my landlord accepts retweets um, um as a as a form of now what rent. happens if is, do you have a loophole in your lease where if you can ratio your ten, your landlord, do all the tenants get free rent for a month? That is a good point. I have not right. looked into the. I right. looked into your housing association lease. You do. Yeah, yeah. I'd get on that. <laughs> but um, you know, in some of the, it's it's hard to not talk about this without just slipping into like old man yelling at Sky. Oh uh, uh, yeah, and, but, and to be honest, you know, I didn't really prep notes for this, but I was like, okay, we can't. I can't just turn this into. Um, naval like collective navel gazing. I can't do that because no, I'll of course I'll, not. Lead, of course I'll not. lead us there though. I I'm capable of that. That's my <laughs> point. Um, but I you know your thing about attention really strikes kind of at the core of something else. Um, that you said you said I I get paid to travel and the comedy's free and I and I don't know that that's necessarily a bad business model because again I think one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that most of the people that I know who want a creative life and make a living from it, aren't looking to be Beyonce. They're not looking, right. nobody, nobody expects that. I don't even think- maybe, most, maybe you were when you were 22, but right. certainly not. But nobody you know, who's been doing point. this for 15 or 20 or 30 years in whatever you're doing and has stuck it out that long has any grand illusions of that. First of all, nobody 48 years old is going to get that famous unless they kill someone equally famous. <laughs> um yeah i mean that's that's the yeah, yeah. that's certainly true i'm, I'm in know? a sort of weird demo where it's like i'm not usually people who've been doing it as long as i have they've either like failed or quit completely 
or they're you know they have uh, you know a bugatti in the driveway you know that that they're living the high life it's it's strange to sort of still kind of keep plugging as sort of a middle class comedian you know um and that's really it's, it's it's funny that you common. use that phrasing christian because that's really kind of the person that i'm looking to to seek out who are people you mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, I guess that, I guess that's the next question. Have you reached a point in your life where, if you felt like you could have a reasonably, whatever secure is, but a, some sense of a middle class lifestyle or a semi comfortable lifestyle, doing comedy and running the venue, would that be something that, if there were a sense of security, you would want to keep doing it? Well, if I could, you know, I don't have expensive tastes. I really, I really never have. I mean, I I eat out a lot and I like going on vacations and things, but I've never been the kind of person who needed a gorgeous car or, you know, like it's just, I'm, I don't have right. super expensive tastes. And, you know, if someone could say like, all right, Finnegan, sign this pay- piece of paper and you will never be more financially stable than you are now, but you'll never be less either. I would probably sign that. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm fine with my, you know, my wife and I talk about this. It's like, we have a pretty good life. Like we went on two vacations last year and yeah, to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, obviously as you get older, you start to see your, um, you know, financial earning power, especially in the arts start to dwindle. Yeah. And, uh, you, and of course it happens right around the time that you start becoming, uh, in danger of physical infirmities and th- mm-hmm. things like that. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm totally fine with my current financial status. It's more just like, well, what's, what's 60 going to look like? It's, it's more and, about the future. Uh, and it's, and it's, again, it's that mindset of whether it's comedy and you get paid to travel like that travel is going to get harder every year. It's going to get more expensive. It's going to yeah, get yeah. more comfortable. It's going to get more difficult. And you're going to get paid less. For and you're going to get paid <laughs> like, less know. when in reality, for what you're putting yourself through as you get older, it's really you, that should go up to cover what, a, what an increasing pain yeah. in the ass that is, right? Plus, the other sure. idea is that, like, think of it in any other field. If you had 30 years of experience and said, look, I've done this well and I've had, you know, flurries of success and I've had moments of of, of doubt – but I've sustained it and I've, and I've, I've built a pretty good career out of it. If you'd done that and you were a, you know, middle management at Staples, you know, you, mm-hmm. there would be security and you would be no, you would know that you could expect that next year would be better. And in this, and in yeah, this, I mean, game, that, that's and in this real, game, it's that almost is, a guarantee yeah. that it's going to be worse. Even if you do, even if you push yes. to get more. Yes. I mean, unless you hit the, you know, the, the jackpot and some, some crazy, you know, uh, creative endeavor takes off unexpectedly or whatever yeah it's it's i mean that's really the the thing that i see is that there's just no path like there's no uh track work laid out you know to be like oh well i can just keep plugging along and i'll get my raises and and i'll you know get seniority and i mean and maybe that's not something a lot of people maybe that's that's more me as an artist i'm sure people who work real jobs for a living don't feel that sense of security that i imagine they all do no some of them do (laughs) um no but there is something to to know about like okay i know that in six months there's like a 95 percent chance i'm still going to have my job and roughly the same amount of pay as opposed to in six months my calendar is empty Yes, exactly. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, but I've done it to myself. I mean, it's, I, I've never, the, the, the way I have chosen to live my life is that my work time is never fully work time and my leisure time is never fully leisure time. And it's all just kind of this big, you know, I, I do envy sometimes now at, at age 49, I do look at people and who, uh, who can kind of just work and then go home that that does definitely seem appealing to me you know mm-hmm. it's like oh i'm i'm not at work right now so i don't have to think about anything except enjoying myself my wife works um, in retail management and she comes home exhausted but she also comes home with pretty good peace of mind like it's it's all behind yeah. that's, that's that's yesterday's problem now and i just yeah, I, just, yeah. Don't, I don't do a good job with that um and i don't i don't do a good job crafting those boundaries for myself and so i find myself almost all the time in the same place you're talking about where the worlds collide and I'm not really, 
fully satisfied with either of them. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, or what? You know, I mean, I, I, I said to somebody recently that I've officially entered the or what phase of my career, you know, and I don't even mean that. I mean, that seems pretty depressing, but it's not super depressing. It's like, so what? I'm I'm going to go work at a bank. You know, it's just like, first of all, they would never hire me. Right. You know, no, wow. no company, no company would ever hire me to do anything. I have no, my, my, uh, my resume is, is luckily, you know, I don't have any, I don't have many options, Matt. Um, so it makes I'm, it easy. Dude, to I'm right there with you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in your boat. I, uh, I mean, and like you, like you said, when, when you kind of started, you know, some of it is that you're just sort of compelled to do it by forces greater than you either understand or want to, want to grasp. You know, you just, you're sort of, yeah something's pulling you wherever that, wherever that comes from. Um, I think the first time you and I talked, whether it was on the record or off the record, you made some comments to me about how one of the reasons that you thought comedy might've been alluring at the beginning was that it was a solitary act and that, and that you liked the idea of being in a band, I think you said, or something to that effect, but yeah. you always worried about like having to rely on other people. And so, um, yeah, well, I was in a sketch, made. I was in a sketch group when I started and it just, even three people was just like, brutal it was brutal trying to make it work between three schedules and three egos and, and all that and and you know and i'm sure some of it is just personality i i i you know i have this opinion that that you know improv comedy is for funny people that had happy childhoods and uh and stand up is for funny people who didn't um <laughs> or, and, and that's happy is you know too strong a word but I, you know I what, what I mean. you're saying yeah joiners jo- people who are joiners um, whereas comedians, I sometimes wonder, it's like, okay, how much of this is that I desperately wanted to write jokes and how much of it is that just the, the career as a comedian allowed me to sort of be alone and kind of be on my own as a sort of independent contractor in, in the way that I sort of desire to be, you know, that I'm my own boss and that, you know, I, I'm a, fr- you know, I'm not part of a thing i mean now I've, I've worked for television shows i've done all sorts of things where i'm part of a giant team and and i i would take a, a writing gig right now in a heartbeat at the end of the day i think i was drawn to this sort of notion of just being a one-man band yeah well it's you know? i mean there's something especially when you feel like other people have kind of compromised your vision or maybe been a, a a roadblock when you thought they were going to be an asset. Like you mentioned, you know, juggling three people, three people. I've been very fortunate um, in that, in that I've been in a really functional supportive band for 13 years, but none of us are trying to make a living at it. We're all doing it as a side, right. you know? So yeah. it's, it's a completely different dynamic, which again is why I use that, that phrase of kind of being a tourist. Like I don't pretend that I, like I don't introduce myself as a musician, even though that's how many people would, would think of me or, or, or refer to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't make my living doing that. And so I don't feel comfortable with that association. Um, yeah. Have you thought more about writing? I mean, you, the, 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 the new music for old Substack uh, is fantastic. And I know we spent a lot of time talking about that last time, but like, that's clearly not the only option for you to, to write. I'm, I imagine that's well, it kind of it. is. I mean, that's the sad thing is that, you know, I mean, now I have been accused of being a, a fatalist and whatnot, but it's like, you know, I haven't written for a show since 2016, you know, and so there's just no, there's nothing to be gained. If you're staffing a show, it's like, there's just nothing to be gained by hiring a 49 year old white dude who hasn't even been working for six years. It's like, you'd be better spent hiring the kid that's right out of college who's going right. to work 20 hours and, you know, be abused and, and all that. You know what I mean? There's just like right. a certain level of abuse that I'm just too old to absorb, you know? Right. And uh, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like there's, and I'm not even saying like being taken advantage of, but there's just, there's a work ethic and there's like a hustle and a desire to impress that. I think, you know, if I was staffing a show, I would never hire me. I would never hire me. Well, it's also um, not, a, it's also not a, it's not a unique viewpoint, right? Like if you were going to go around the room and do a draft of, of uh, perspectives we haven't heard before, you know, you're, you and I are getting yeah. big last, you know? Yes, exactly. Yes. And, and I don't, you know, and I'm not, I'm not the guy being like, Oh, it's hard for white guys, whatever. It's like, no. it's, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's, no. uh, it's, it's necessary. No, it's, it's fucking it's hard for things. everybody. 
Yes, yes. And I don't I, I'm not one of those people who, you know, uh, bitches about that. But I acknowledge the truth of the matter is that like, you know, when a like, oh, uh, some show they're hiring a, you know, they're they're hiring a new writer. It's like, yeah, I could I could spend a week putting together a packet and I probably should. And I, I could use maybe a hubris injection that would uh, allow me to imagine that I'd be really in the running. But I'm probably not. And again, I'm not if, – if I had been working consistently for the past 20 years and it was just like, oh, that dude's a fucking – you know, he's a pro. You know, let's bring in him because he'll, you know, add a – you know, we need a professional in the writer's room. That would be one thing. But I'm – I've i worked very sporadically over the – you know, I, it's do you never think really that's been an, the, the Do you think that's an indication work. of what a relatively small room that still is, that world, where – Kind of, yeah. well, I mean, you know, get in, do the work, do it fairly well, don't fuck it up and maintain relationships. I mean, is that kind of the path if you want to, if you want to go that way? Well, I know a lot of, you know, I have a lot of friends who worked, you know, I have a couple, a bunch of friends who were on Conan's writing staff and, you know, they worked there for 14 years and you would think like, oh my God, you've worked on a staff, you've worked on a show for 14 years, you sh- you'll just be able to walk into another writing job. Well, no, one of my friends is now back in advertising for the first time in 20 years, you know, wow. because there's just not really a place for him, you know, and, and wow. I'm not even, I'm not putting any judgment on that, whether that's appropriate or not. It's just the reality of the situation. Well, I mean, um, I mean, and that's the other thing. I mean, I, you know, again, I've been kind of existing in this world where I could create what I wanted to create. There were no restrictions except for what I could physically put out into the ether. But once you start going, I would like to make even like a little bit of reliable income, you've upped the ante a great deal. Um, And so like, I, I, I think this is a spot where I would be interested in transitioning and maybe talking about how the venue has become a part of kind of your life with Cambry and kind of, how that sort of fulfills maybe some of the stuff that the comedy used to. I don't know. I'm kind of I'm yeah. Kind of I'm trying about that. to extricate myself from it to be perfectly frank. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Uh, a little bit. Um, more, more just for my marriage, for the sake of my marriage. Understood. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my wife uh, and I work you know, together, and we no longer do, and it's been a positive uh, growth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, it, I I so believe in it, and I've always been there, and you know run out to the you know run out to get bags of ice and beer and and you know go get a new mic cord and and that's that's a relationship i've always had with qed which is the venue my wife owns but since the pandemic it really became kind of an all hands on deck just trying to keep the lights on and you know and it's worked to a degree the lights are still on and and i feel like 2023 is looking brighter than 2022 which is nice still not back where it was before the pandemic but um but it's not it's it's probably not great for my relationship with my wife just because it's it's just it's just 24 hours a day talking about it you know and and uh it's not really i'm not good at a lot of the stuff that (laughs) she requires me to do you know um it's it's uh you know it's a lot of attention to detail and, you know, putting out fires and, you know, and I'm willing to do that, but it, it, we, we tend to take it home with us. And, you know, honestly, it's like, if I could just devote my life to QED and then come home to my wife, who is a different person than the woman who owns QED, it would be perfect. Cause I do live it there, but it's just, it's uh it's not always easy to separate those things out. And so my, one of my goals for 2023 is to sort of uh, reestablish a different, a different relationship with regards to my responsibilities at QED, like hopefully to get a real full-time staff back. I mean, right now it's been kind of a skeleton crew for the past two or three years, you know, and, uh, I'm hopeful that uh, and it might require me getting a job of some sort in order to sort of force the issue where I'm not there as much as I'm there. Got it. But uh, hopefully in the creative field, but we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Um, Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a good example of sort of that, that concept you were talking about, but the, the world's blurring between life and work and, and relationships and all that stuff. 
that is that is difficult for a, a me who I, I have a career that I'm not emotionally invested in the way that I used to be. And, you know, my wife works retail and we still have that dynamic. It's a completely different thing when you own your own venue and you are, as you said, an independent contractor um, because you can't turn it off because that means the lights at the business are off. You can't. And I think yeah. I think a lot yeah. of people who are not inside it um, don't see running a venue or or living uh making your living in an art form as being the same as running any other small business like it's all skeleton crew and threadbare and you're doing a million things and it just it always feels like it's one moment away from all falling apart you know like it's just you it, it's like you just got this stack of plates that's just swaying back and forth constantly and you know it, it one good thing is that both of us have gotten a little better at sort of just telling ourselves like this will this will all get worked out it'll pass you know like we had a uh, a plumbing backup last week which was a huge uh issue um oh, you know so when you're actually yeah and on on new year's eve uh oh, some dude some dude just puked no that was not the plumbing issue was a few days before new year's eve but then on new year's eve some dude just went and just puked in the sink next to the toilet there's a toilet right there guy decided no i'm going to puke in the sink instead so I'm going in there and I'm cleaning someone's vomit, not mine, just some right. person's vomit. And not your I child. Literally. Or... Yeah. 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 No, I mean, and, and I remember uh, one of the things that that QED does to sort of keep the lights on and, and um, you know, that we uh, we rented out on the weekends for private parties. And um, usually it'll be either my wife bartending and somebody on the floor to sort of help or somebody bartending and my wife out on the floor to help. Recently, I had been helping out on a bunch of those. And those are really the, the days that I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. Because like, there was a party there, a kid's birthday party for like, uh, like gifted kids. And I thought, well, okay, well, at least they'll be well behaved. You know, they'll be like these nerds. They were the shittiest assholes you've ever, for, first of all, a lot of them, and I, not to sound neurotypical, some of them were definitely on the spectrum and presented challenges in terms of their ability to follow commands and listen mm-hmm. to you. Um, what, what age group are we talking like, about here? Probably eight or nine, okay. maybe seven, eight, nine, maybe ten. I don't. I, I'm. I don't have kids, so I don't have a hard time uh, no, I, identifying. Uh, late elementary school is fine. Um, it means that they're in, and uh, yeah, like a, just a horde of children. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 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 of course, all the parents are there and they feel like, oh, they think they've rented a babysitter as well. They're all oh, getting drunk. Okay. And right. So they just assume that we're going to, you know, and there's art on the walls. There's there's merchandise, you know, even though it is we have rented it out for a child's party. There is still stuff that can get fucked up. And I remember at one point, some kid had locked himself in the bathroom and then other kids were like literally banging on the door. And then hanging on the doorknob, like all their weight just hang. And, and I had to come and I'd say, you can't do that. You can't do that. And then they would just look at me and just go back doing it. And I, and so I literally had to park myself by the bathroom door. And at one point, some little girl said to me, she said, who are you, the bathroom guard? And I said, I guess so. I guess that's where I am in my life. Like, this is where it's all gone. You know, and of course, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I was on television, <laughs> all these things. And, you know, and now I'm being fucking shit talked by a nine year old. Get your phone out and just make them watch Chappelle. Was that exactly was that yeah. your move? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know that's it's all funny. But uh, but you know that's the kind of thing where it, it's hard because because it's my wife's venue. It all feels very personal when things go wrong, and yeah. I don't, I can't really leave it there as much as I'd like to. But at the end of the day, it's not mine either. So I don't even get like the pride of ownership. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? That, right, like I don't right. even get the like, I'm the one in charge. It's like, I feel like I'm, you know, my wife's bar back essentially, which is not For sure. Always, not, it's not, know. it's not great. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things I wonder about too, like you mentioned, uh, one of the things you do to keep the lights on, like, so you basically have to like pimp your venue out during the weekend yeah. to, do the, to do the thing that it's intended to do. Another thing that I think that, that that's most- all, you know, and that is true of almost every artistic venue. That's right. why a lot of comedy clubs, they have like, uh, they have driver's ed, you know, defensive driving courses on the weekends. Yeah. And yeah. that's the only way to make it viable. Yeah. 
And I think, I guess what I'm saying is I think that that is as much an indictment of the sort of the economy of the arts as anything else. Like what sure. we've said is that we, we all want these things. We all expect these things. We've chosen to not spend any money on them. And everybody's walked around and just gone, it's fine. And like yes. at a certain, at a certain and I guess what I'm saying is I, the one thing I know for sure is if we continue to do that at a certain point, it won't be fine anymore. And I well, just, I mean, I think what will happen is it'll just be, art will become an avocation instead of a vocation. You know, it'll it'll be something that rich people do to entertain themselves. It'll probably go back to being like it was in the Renaissance or whatever, where it's it's. So if so, in other words, basically, there will be a handful of people. They'll have a benefactor, and that's it. Probably, yeah, or or that it'll just be something that, I mean, you know, the whole nepo baby uh, oh, discourse geez. that was going yeah. on a couple weeks yes. ago, but. It, I understand, you know, I know Jamie Lee Curtis uh, bravely stood up for nepotism babies, but um, it's it's always trying when you find out that like, oh, this whole time, somebody who you started out with doing like shitty open mics at a bar is like, I thought we were equals. I had no idea that you were filthy rich. And granted, I'm not not like I was, you know, not like I grew up with a cup in my hand. I grew up upper middle class you know, probably more stable than, you know, 70% of the people in the arts. But, um, but then you see these people in, in, invariably, and I'm not going to name names because I'm not trying to shit talk anybody, but invariably it's the people who do the most offbeat, crazy stuff. Then you find out that they're rich because they never needed to make money from their art. They could, they could spend time just being weird. And, uh, and well, yeah, like, you oh, have right. A, because you, you have need- a giant safety net. Yeah, yeah, because it's, I mean, it's all I mean, at, gravy. At that point, oh, isn't fine. it all just essentially a performance piece? I mean, you're just going out and pretending yeah. like you're a fucking grad school, like you're at RISD or whatever, and you just do your yeah. fake-ass, like, you know, trailer trash version of Andy Andy Kaufman doing uh, Tony What's-His-Nuts or whatever. And then, like... Yeah, and it's, and so, again, it's like, I don't want to, like, a lot of these people who I'm talking about or whatever are people who I genuinely respect i i right, like them right. as people i think they're talented but it's just like you think that you're in the same fight and then you realize oh this entire time like you've been slumming it at these bars to make yourself you know it's like that pulp song common people or whatever it's like you're, sure. you think the poor is cool or whatever but uh then you're like oh that's why there's a big there's a big conversation in new york a few years ago in the new york comedy scene about improv about when ucb was closing upright citizens brigade and and how come it was so white and how come how do you make improv more diverse it's like you can't you can't because the improv model is to make no money for 10 years or seven years or whatever doing these heralds you know doing these these improv shows and literally getting paid nothing and then one of you becomes a, a c- celebrity and takes everybody with them. You know, like that's sort of, and yeah. that is not a model that a young black stand up comic, or, you know, like that's why they, they, I think, in my opinion, a lot of uh, comedians of, of color or whatever, they, they don't end up in improv because, like, no, I need to make money at this. Like, I need to work. And uh, it's frustrating because if you're a lot, if you, if you have the comfort of not having to make money for 10 years from your art, you have more of a chance of success. And that's what's so fucking maddening about it, you know? Well, again, I don't you think that part of that is that what what that what that allows you to do is to go out and have sort of this well-rounded approach. It's like a liberal arts education for the already affluent and fast-tracked. Like it's kind of not really a series of like real life skill sets, but at the same time, like if you've got a decent perspective you can write you're funny and you can perform fairly well like you can get on you know you can get an opportunity on a sketch show like snl i mean i realize that's very sort of weighty world but like those opportunities are there and if you're a stand-up you do one thing and you can be funny but that's no guarantee that you can write other people's material or that you can act or anything else whereas if you go hey and you've got the skill set of say tina fey who is undeniably talented in my opinion, you know, you, you look at that and you go, well, she's, you know, she's a five tool player or whatever athletic reference you want to use. Sure. Sure. Um, but again, and I'm not saying Tina Fey came from money. Cause I, I don't know, but like you're saying, I'm assuming. He, he, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I mean, she has a lot now. It's, a, it's, a, it's always really, a safe bet. It's always <laughs> <laughs> the more well, there's some, something I heard about like, uh, <laughs> 
I don't remember what the what the quote was, but like never ask an indie musician why their parents' names are blue in Wikipedia. Um oh, you know, because wow. you find out <laughs> that you find out that these these musicians who make this incredibly challenging, artistic, weird yeah. music, and then you find out that like, oh, and her father was a executive vice president, Goldman Sachs, or whatever. It's like, oh, because again, you didn't need to sort of pander because you had the financial Right. Uh, you know, comfort level to not have to entertain people because you needed to make 50 bucks that night. You didn't have to make 50 bucks. Right. And I, you know, whether it's, whether it's entertaining kids at a fucking eight year old's birthday party and trying to keep them swinging from the door or DJ in a bat mitzvah, like we're all willing to do that stuff. What I, I guess what yeah. I'm, what I'm sort of concerned about moving Shit. forward is that we are, we are requiring more and more people who want to make a living doing this, we're requiring them to do more and more stuff. And we're requiring them to do it. I think in a more and more kind of demeaning way, you mentioned that you just like, you don't have the bandwidth to get attention. You know, I, it, it had, it has largely ceased. There is so much good stuff that is capable of being made right now because of access that, um, sure. that, uh, I feel like the only way for anybody to know anything is just for it to break through in terms of attention. Well, um, and there's, there's, you know, there's, there's positive aspects to it too. Um, of course. Like, I don't know if you saw on like Dick Clark's New Year's Eve. I don't know this woman particularly, but there was a woman there who was like on the dais, one of the, the uh, correspondents who was just a, a viral star because she had that Victoria's Secret song that kind of went viral. About oh. how she, she did some TikTok song about how Victoria's Secret like is run by a guy. <laughs> um, and it went, it was, it's very funny and it's a well done song. Now she's just some woman making music, right. you know, and, and it, it, she, she threaded the needle and it became a big deal. And that's For the sure. kind of thing that like, oh, that sort of success story couldn't have been written 20 years ago. And so that's a great thing, you know, of course. I mean, Billie Eilish is a similar story. Um, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I think that those are, I think those are fantastic, I guess when I have these conversations with folks and obviously I'm coming from a world of music. So that's the place where I, where I live day in and day out. And the economy of that business is pretty shatteringly awful. Um, and when I've tried to talk to even other musicians about this, they will use those sort of examples and they'll be like, you know, Bruno Mars is fine. And Taylor Swift is fine. Yeah. We're, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, we, we don't have an economy in which the replacements can not have a full-time job. No, for sure. Yeah, and, and, and what I'm saying is for a dude like me, and I think probably for a dude like you, I would be willing to put a little bit of a little bit more money back into an ecosystem so that I could know there was a greater chance of the next replacements being able to do that instead of having to work at fucking Walmart. Yeah, I mean, that's it's again, it's like you're 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 going to I'm sure that there'll be people there'll be bands and artists that are just as interesting or cool as, as the replacements, but they're going to be kids, children of rich kids. Cause that's <laughs> the only way they're going to be able to make that, that work, you know? And it's, yeah. And it's going to um, make it really difficult for us to hear stories of the downtrodden that aren't, uh, you know, we'll have to wait for whatever the, the indie rock opera version of uh, uh, uncle Tom's cabin is in 150 years. That's, <laughs> that's essentially what it's going to be. But so yeah. like, like, one of the things that I've struggled with over pandemic and doing this and seeing all these changes is it's been harder than ever not to give up and lose hope and to feel like this is a lost cause in some respect. Like I'm like, I've kind of, in other words, um, I've had my shot. It's time to hang up the gloves and, and like stop trying to resurrect something that that's time has passed. So yeah, I, I mean, do you, reckon, it's, do, you, yeah. do you reckon with that? Oh, sure. I mean, that that everything is a diminished version of how it used to be. Yeah. So is that a factor of reality um, or a factor of age or both? I think it's both. I think it's both. And I think it's it's natural. And I think it's probably something that people deal with in many capacities. I mean, you know, aging athletes, you know, that it's just like, oh, okay, like, I played a good game today, but not like I would have played 10 years ago, you know, um, that's probably natural and and i think that the only answer to the extent that there is an answer is to simply find the joy in doing it like that has to be its own reward because it's going to be the only reward most likely yeah. it's like if you write a song that just really makes you smile and just that that you're really proud of 
that's gotta be that's gotta be the beginning, middle, and end of what of your expectations. Yeah. Um, you know, and and part of me feels like if that is the case, you are actually ironically more likely to find, you know, actual commercial success with that. I mean, it's a cliche, but you know, it's like trying to you know, you you finally find someone when you stop looking. And it's the same kind of deal. It's like, oh, I did this project that is completely for me and it resonated with other people. I mean, that's that's the dream, you know. Right. Um but no, I mean I mean I honestly at this point in my life it's like I would I would love to create one super great piece of art that I'm like that I feel like is my legacy as a human being. But do I expect that to be super popular or make me a shit ton of money? No, I I, I don't. Do you feel like nice you still have? I, I mean, that. I mean, you must have you must have work that you look back on with a certain degree of pride. Yeah, sure, a little bit. Um, yes, I mean, of course. I mean, of course. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's always you know. I don't want to project, but uh, I think there's enough overlap that I feel fairly safe in saying that, like, there's you know, that critic in me is always going to stand up and go, not as much as you would think. Like, that's going to be my first answer always. And I guess I'm trying to change that yeah. about myself and maybe try to find that in other people. Um, yeah. You know, so like it's, it's a, I guess what I'm saying is how do you sort of try to find that balance between understanding that you've done good work and that you want to believe that there's still better work ahead? Um. I don't have an answer for that. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I don't. No, it's okay. It's, it's definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely kind of what keeps me sane is the the knowledge that there can always be a next thing, you know. And and just to put in stand up comedy term, it's like there's there's nothing there's nothing that makes me happier than when I have like a new bit that's working. <laughs> like that. That's yeah. that's. It sounds like an absurdly low threshold for for happiness, but that's that's really uh, that's really to me the peak of. And in some of it is it's when I say working, even like even if it just if I'm really happy with it, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's always a new bit out there. Is my feeling, you know? Right. And uh, and it is that's got to be its the own other, reward. And I do think one of the other things I I would like to maybe see the the veil pulled back from a little bit is I think for a lot of folks who are not in this world, sort of the, the, the non-creative muggles out there um, don't necessarily see what you're talking about as, you know, work. Like you make an observation that joke I'm guessing doesn't just appear in your head in finished form. No, no. I mean, I, sometimes every once in a while, and it's always sure. a, a delight when that happens and a lot of times you feel like you've been struck by lightning and you're like, oh, my God, I I have a new seven minute chunk that people are going to love. And then you're like, oh, apparently there's 40 seconds that works. In that. There's, um, there's two good jokes you know. and, uh, and I've, I've yeah. really put them into the ground. <laughs> but honestly, it, even that feeling of, oh, my God, I have written the most genius thing in the world like that in itself. I love, you know, even even if it turns out not to be true. I love that feeling of like, man, I cannot write quickly enough to get this out you know um i mean that's that's great i mean I, I love it i mean that that's that's something that i hope i always feel in some capacity and and i don't know whether i'll be doing my newsletter forever uh i don't know whether i can do it i don't know how long i can do it uh in its current form because it probably takes a little more time than is justifiable but one of the reasons I started it was so that I could just have those moments where I was really delighted by something I'd created without having it dependent on other people or being booked or, or whatever. It's just like, yeah. you know, you need to have those small artistic victories in your life as an artist yes. to, to, to keep the fire going, you know? And I, and I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, for me, I think one of the things I find most fascinating about having these conversations already, having only had literally like you're the third one of these I've had, is that I, I notice how much overlap there is in these worlds and how these communities can often kind of silo themselves off. And I'm really interested in figuring out how to kind of thread those together, because I think there's a lot mm -hmm. of really well-intentioned, 
um, positive minded people making really great shit who don't have a reason to cross paths with each other. And I'd like to maybe try to shift that a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we only have ourselves, <laughs> like we only have um, each other, you know, I mean, it's, it's okay. I, I mean, I hate to get, uh, that's the other thing. Like as, as, <laughs> as you try to work through this shit, it's really hard not to go, okay, how fucking eat, pray, love am I going to get? Like how, you know, right. How many cliches am I going to absorb and go, oh, that, you know what, that's really, that feels good today. Like, it's just, I'm almost embarrassed. <laughs> it's sad. But like, I am to the point where it's like, I guess I'm tired of waiting for somebody else to do it. I just kind of got impatient mm-hmm. and I'm fucking sick of waiting for somebody to have these conversations in the way that I want them. So. I well, I, I think sometimes people don't want to have these conversations because it's almost like talking about death. It's like talking, it's like, oh, uh, you're going to invoke, you're going to, create like we're all kind of nobody wants to admit that they have these challenges you know because they're gonna be marked even there in their minds or in the minds of other people it's like oh that dude like he's not happening you you know what i mean like oh sure i mean portray yourself as like this dude's on the up you know this dude's fucking kicking ass and taking names and so to admit that like no this is really hard and i don't know what the future holds and all that it's yeah but i i don't know there's a courage to that like admitting that it's hard and admitting that i'm not you know admitting that you're not but we but you do have to understand you do have to always accept though that 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 younger people just don't want to hear it and they're not going to hear it they're not going to be able to hear it and no, I didn't want to hear it. And, and that's and okay wrong. because what I want this to be is I want this to be a way for us to have these deeper conversations and maybe talk about this other issue. But having these conversations about, you know, mortality and and meaning and, you know, I mean, I keep making jokes with my family that I'm basically a walking fucking uh, uh, refutation of no second acts in American life right now. Like I'm flailing to prove Fitzgerald wrong. Like that's my whole. I, like every day feels like I'm just, I would. I'd be happy with the first act. Frankly. You know. I, well, I sure. Know. Yeah. I mean, I got like <laughs> I got I got like a solid opening sequence, and from there, it's really it's been it's been fairly plotting since then. Um, yeah. I really I I I was gonna go somewhere else, but we don't need to. That was a, that's a good place to wrap it up. I uh I, yeah. I really I really appreciate your time. And which well, um, is mine. And I you know like I said I don't really know what this is gonna be yet, but um. It's going to be something and uh, and, uh, stuff in can and yeah, see see what you're working with. Holy crap. What did I tell you? Christian Finnegan, huh? What a smart, funny and thoughtful person. Um, thank you again to Christian for joining me. Um, I really, I really enjoyed that conversation and it was so it was amazing how easy it was to kind of fall into that with him and how how many times I felt like we were kind of on the same wavelength and and I think coming at this from similar angles I certainly don't want to project um anyway really enjoyed the conversation I hope you did as well please make sure that you let Christian know that you heard him here and that you want to support his work uh, the first thing you can do is go over to uh, all the necessary uh, but evil social media outlets, and uh, you can follow him at uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all those other places. You can also uh, find out more about Christian and uh, purchase his work over at ChristianFinnegan.com. As I mentioned, Christian's most recent special, uh, Show Your Work, was recorded at... Uh, QED Astoria during pandemic and uh, is tremendously funny and also a really lovely little uh, peek at uh, the pandemic life that he and his wife Cambry uh, sort of built out of their situation uh, as venue owners in uh, a massively expensive American city. Uh, I digress. Um, Go over there and check out all of Christian's work. Please make sure that you are supporting what we are doing here. And by we, I mean me, Maddie C., and my various ADHD incarnations. Um, You can, of course, find out about all of the various and sundry things going on in my world over at my Substack. That is, whatamimaking.substack.com. You can uh, sign up for free. You'll get a newsletter every time I post something, every time there is a new article or a new uh, song, 
a new podcast episode, whatever it is I happen to be up to, you'll get an email about it. You can also support the uh, the pod and the Substack Endeavor by signing up for a paid subscription if you have a few dollars to spare and you appreciate the work that I am doing and am trying to sort of build. Uh, there are monthly plans, yearly plans, and larger founding memberships that you can get. If you have other ways that you'd like to support, either with your time and your talent or by making a private pledge, please feel free to contact me. You can get at me through the Substack. You can also follow me on Twitter at Wax and Wayne Music. Uh, you can also find me under Harbor Coat, What Am I Making, and Phonophore Records on Facebook and Instagram. I want to thank you all again for being here. Thanks again to my guest, Christian Finnegan. And uh, I am so excited to keep this conversation rolling. I'll see you over on Substack in the meantime, and I'll see you back here on the pod very, very soon. Cheers, y'all.